Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Talking Jacks Extra, uh, an especially sad edition of Talking Jacks Extra. My name is Alex Warren. I am joined, as always, by my co-host Ben Gosshorn, aka the Soccer Goose. Um, Goose, have you recovered yet from the debacle on Tuesday night? Uh, I guess so. I, I it's interesting. Like, I don't, I don't know if I've fully processed it. It's it's funny to to think about it because, um, as Jason has pointed out several times now, I didn't foresee this outcome happening. Hmm. Um, I may not have meant it in that in the context that it sounds like, but <laughs> yeah, like I, I guess I did. I, I guess what I meant to say when I said that is I didn't want to envision this outcome, but here we are. Um, yeah, like how are you doing post? Uh, fss upset um i don't know i think part of me kind of knew it was going to happen going into it just yeah I, I don't know i just had a bad feeling about it um yeah i think the most discouraging part to me was just that we did we never once adjusted to mm-hmm. the way they were having success they yeah. the entire game they threatened us on the counterattack and we didn't make one single adjustment that could have slowed them down. Um, we yeah. were really sloppy on the ball, which led to the a lot of the counterattacks, just really poor giveaways. Um, yeah. We never said to our midfield to have them stay home, have one of them stay home, um, yeah. and kind of protect the back line a little bit. Um, we didn't. I don't know. I just felt like there were there were adjustments to be made uh, throughout the game, and we just we never made them. And and it's just like, yeah, we outshot them, but by one. Um, and and it started out, you know, like we, I thought we started out well. Yeah. Um, but then we kind of did what we always do when we start out well, is we kind of took our foot off the gas and left them back in the game. And then once yeah. once we scored our first goal, they pretty much controlled the rest of the match. I mean, yes, we had we had chances to score and we technically had more possession um but not by a lot. Uh, mm. I, the bulk of our possession statistic was won in like the first half hour of the game. Um I think yeah. we had in the first half we had Maybe sixty percent possession, but then by the by the end of the game, it was nearly fifty fifty, um, including the extra time. I think I, I assume that's that includes the extra time. Um, but yeah, I guess we should take a step back for those of you who haven't heard uh, the result. It was a um, the the match went to penalties against the Florida Soccer Soldiers. Which I still have a hard time saying. I can't say soccer soldiers back to back. It's like a that. tongue twister. It really is. Um, <laughs> the uh, anyways, they the game went to penalties and they won the penalty shootout five to four. Uh, they scored yeah. all of theirs and then we scored all of ours until our very last kick. Um, Enzo Martinez. It wasn't a bad penalty, um, but it was a really yeah. good save. Um, it was a yeah. it was a frustrating evening because. Because of a lot of reasons, um, I think mm. first and foremost, um, the lack of urgency was felt a little bit 
Um, Florida was first to every ball. They were they were not backing down. I felt like I felt like they just flat out wanted it more, um, mm. which was disappointing, obviously. Yeah. And it's just it seemed like um, when we did have our chances, we just didn't take them because we created um, probably the, some of the highest quality chances we've created over the last stretch of play. Um, yeah. Mansali by himself could have had a hat trick, you know, by maybe like six feet combined. Um, yeah. Nearly scored that one uh, in the first half at the very end of the first half after Jake made a really good run down the middle of the field um and just put it a little bit over and then early in the second half he had one that he put just to the left and then later in the second half he had one that he put just to the right Uh, the last one was a little bit uh more difficult was a little bit further out uh but the first two i definitely think he should have scored um there's one of those that went off the post is that right it hit the um i don't know what you call it but the thing that goes behind the goal and it's a and it is a post um, but oh. it, it made it look like it hit the post. Does that make sense? Cause like, I'm sure yeah. from where you were, it looked like it hit the post. Um, yeah, I did. Did it hit what holds up the net? Is yeah. It hit, it hit what okay. holds up the back of the net. Um, that, oh, the pole that's okay. the pole that's behind the goal. So not like yeah. the goal post, uh, but okay. even I his first one, even that hit the post. Yeah. yeah. Even that first attempt he had in the first half, uh, men's alley, that is it went just over the bar and then brushed the net right mm. above where the crossbar is. So I thought he scored. So I, I was mm. like going crazy. And then they like weren't celebrating. So I, I, you know, I figured out that he missed it. And then they showed the replay. Yeah. It saw how close it was. Um, then there was, I believe Damo Duro nearly scored on a header that the keeper made a really great save. I think that was Oduro. Yeah. And then Jorge nearly scored on a really good uh, counter attack between I believe it was uh, Gutman. I forget who passed the ball out wide to Gutman, but it was a really good pass. And then Gutman, you know, played a really nice pass into Jorge on the counter attack. Um, and the keeper made a really nice save again. Um, I, I think these were all in the 90 minutes, if I'm, think, if I'm correct. Yeah, there was a number of just, I, I, I think like we kind of talked about after the Loudon game, like just a number of, quality opportunities and we just didn't convert them and i i think it's i mean i hate to i'm gonna say this because florida soccer soldiers played really well but i really feel as much as they played really well we just couldn't hold things together like kind of like what you said like just the longer the game went the longer it felt like we didn't have it in us. Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to talk about because like, I feel, I hate to say that players aren't in the game, but I, I don't know. I I really don't. I'm I'm at a loss after this game because on paper going into it, we talked about it and we should have put, this should have been an opportunity for us to get our offense in gear, convert some chances, play some defense. And, and we did well in spurts. It's just a matter of 
kind of honestly the same things that have been the problem all year were just bad passes, bad mistakes, and Florida soccer soldiers converted on the opportunities they had because as the game went on, they continued to have really scary opportunities. Yeah, and if and, they if they had played better, if they had been a little bit more patient on their counterattacks and they had played a little bit better, I think they could have easily scored four or five as well. Um, yeah. It's not like we were shutting them down. Uh, they had plenty of chances, and they were a little wasteful as well, which you would expect the amateur club, you know, who doesn't train full-time to be a little bit more wasteful in the final third. Um, you don't expect yeah. that from the professional club who trains every day and works on these types of things every day. Um, but no, I mean, there were, it was just, it looked like two even teams playing, playing a match. And that's the scary part is um, mm-hmm. because that's a team that is from the fourth division or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Who, I mean, they went toe to toe with us and there didn't seem to be much difference in, in quality uh, and I think that some of that comes down to tactics. Uh, I thought we were really tactically set up poorly. Um, I, I don't know. There was just no de- there was no defensive midfield presence, which has been a problem for most of the season. Uh, yeah. In the absence of Kevon George, um, but I, I mean, Mikhail Maria was I thought supposed to be a defensive midfielder, um, and he has. I mean, if if he's a defensive midfielder, he doesn't do much defending, and I think that yeah. goes down to like what he's been instructed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just yeah, I mean, I, th- yeah. I think he he did okay in the offensive attacking way, but even then, like I think that's what's killing us, and what is going to continue to be the problem when we don't have Kevon is we really have no prowess in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Like we have nobody that wants that seems to want to take responsibility. I think, I think uh, Jake did pretty well. Yeah, I thought. Considered, but that's not his role to be that anchor in the midfield. Right. I, think, I was just gonna say the same thing. I thought Jake uh, did. I thought Jake played well. Um, he was he was very good getting forward. Um, they could not. They, one thing that frustrated me. Um, was that we his run that he did in the first half, and he actually made several runs where he would just, I mean, basically yeah, just put his head he down, did. put his head down and, and sprint because they couldn't keep mm-hmm. up with him. And there were several players on the field that could have done the same thing. I thought Zion Jones um, could have done the same thing, and he showed flashes, but especially did, in, yeah. especially in the second half, he was trying to do, um, he was trying to get a little too fancy with his footwork, and. Um, trying to do way too many step overs when if he had just put his head down and I, and I know that that's not the most technical thing. And I know it's not the, the prettiest thing, but if he had just put his head down and run past the defender, there's nobody on that field that could catch him or match him for speed. Um, He could have gotten down the line easily and then, you know, played a ball in or attack the keeper or whatever. Um, But he just kept going after those step overs over and over and over. Uh, It it just, it just, it wasn't working out. Um, And I think, that, that was eventually why he was subbed off. Maybe that and a little bit of fitness because he did look a little tired. Yeah. I, I mean, he was – this is the, <clears throat> the most we've obviously seen him. And he had – like you said, he had spurts. I think Jake had spurts. I think Enzo – it was weird because there was a lot <clears throat> of times where we would cut through their midfield. Yeah. Enzo did it a number of times. Jake, like you said, did it. 
were either as the game went on, it felt like we understood that they were going to try to either foul us or try to be physical with us in the midfield to try to stop us from getting those breaking through the midfield to get to that into the box. Mm -hmm. But then once we got a footer or so from the box or in the box, we would just make a mistake on a pass. Yep. Um, no, you're I exactly think this right. Probably, quite frankly, he was one of the better games we've seen from Enzo. Impact, impactful wise, he just didn't have that final touch. Mm -hmm. um, Which, I mean, the final touch for him has been missing a lot this season. I think he's yeah. still trying to find his groove. He's trying to find where he fits, you know, in the system. Um, I thought the wide players did okay. Uh, I thought Joel was a little bit lost at times um yeah they i don't know it seemed like we had opportunities to to play him in on those wide runs and and we didn't really take advantage of that and men's was actually very active from the left side um if he'd have just been a little bit more clinical we you know we're probably talking about a three three to four to two win you know but mm -hmm. we you know you can't play that game because like i said earlier if they'd have been more clinical you know, you could flip the script and they could have won four to two, you know. Um, so it, I think, I guess the biggest takeaway for me is that um, in a game that we should have been able to dominate and, and get our focus back and we should have been able to see exactly what Coach McGinnis' plan it has been trying, you know, what he's been working towards all season. Um, we were unable to dictate the game to a team who we – you know, vastly outweigh talent wise, um, or we yeah. should, you know, theoretically, uh, I think that was the, the thing is that, you know, I still can't tell you what we really want to do because yeah, I mean, uh, this was the perfect opportunity to, to play a team who hasn't even been playing together long because it's the very, very beginning of their season. You know, you talk about, um, our season being in the preseason quote, you know, quote unquote, they, I mean, they literally, I assume, started right when the Open Cup started. Was probably their their first practices and games. So like they're yeah. really in their preseason essentially, and we still yeah, couldn't and we still couldn't dictate the games. You know, they've been doing qualifiers for a while, but even still, like it's hard to. There really is no justification for this whatsoever. I mean, you you can say that the Florida Soccer Soldiers played really well. Um. Really, I mean, if you look at it just from a, like an attack, their attack based on our center backs, there were, we, I mean, we probably won 90% of the aerial duels in the match. I, I, would, ex say. I would honestly expect if we don't win 90% of the aerial duels, that's yeah. a problem because I yeah, mean, we have like, so much size just, back there. <laughs> I mean, physically, I just, it was interesting too because did you notice how much mound was almost another center midfield for stretches of the game. I, I wasn't sure. Obviously I was, I wasn't at the center of the pitch cause I was over with Jack's militia, but it was yeah. weird how, and I'm assuming it was the tactic, but it was interesting to see how maybe it was just when we had the ball, but he almost was a, was a center midfielder in a way more than a center back. Did you notice that? Yeah. He, he of all of the center backs, he definitely pushed up the highest, and I think yeah. that was actually what helped um, Mensali get forward more was because Mond was kind of covering that left side um, 
more in the mid middle of the field, like you're saying. But it was um, it was more apparent in the first half than the second half. In the second half, um, yeah. like I said, you know, I think we led the possession like 62, 63, something like that, maybe even 65 at halftime. And then by the by the 90 minute mark, I think it was down to you know 55 where it ended up at the end of the yeah. game. 55 45 is what it ended um, up being. Because I think they I think game. it was pretty much 50 50 the the rest of the game after the first half. Um which whatever, but they 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 never really they never really threatened to um break us down, you know, once we had everybody behind the ball. It was really you know, they were really dangerous on the counter. Um and it was just frustrating that we never adjusted to that and you know we can we can sit here and beat beat a dead horse all day um obviously the you know even when they went down to 10 men we could not dictate the game that was i mean that that to me i'll I'll just keep going back to that like we were unable to dictate the game against a team who is talent talent talently inferior that's not talently is not a word inferior uh, from a talent yeah. perspective um mm-hmm. even when they went down to 10 men and i know we were yeah. probably tired but whatever I, you know that's still it was still a bad look that we were under so much pressure um and giving the ball away so much when we were when we had a man advantage uh yeah. for the and entire extra like, time based on watching the game you wouldn't even be able to really know to be honest with you i probably forgot that we were up a man I think it dawned on me after they put in the second or they put in the tying goal in extra time. Yeah. Well, we were up a man and it was just like, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's definitely as much as I don't, as much as I'd like to focus on the regular season like this, just the way the game was, was embarrassing too, as far as I'm concerned. And I hate to use that kind of a word, but like, I, I don't know what other way of describing it because, I mean, you you control the game for the most part, and you have all these opportunities for three fourths of it, and then you let in a goal in the 78th minute. You still got time to come back and get an extra goal. You don't do it. You score an extra time goal. What was it in the? The latter part of the first intermission, or the first uh, extra time slot, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. can't see it now. Yeah, we scored. Minute. Yeah, we scored so, very well, we early scored in really extra quickly. time. Yep. So we've got even more time to do that, and then just I don't know, and it's <laughs> and then the back pass happened, which yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to, oh. I don't want to pile on, but that was. One of the worst back passes I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> and like, yeah. I, I almost just have to laugh because it, I, <laughs> it was yeah, just I it was um it was the brain fartiest of brain farts, um, because I mean it, we, we've talked about this in our group chat, but you can see him he's he's telling Mond to clear the ball down the field, and then they play the and then Mond plays it to him. And he and then he immediately tries to to do a no look back pass from the midfield line all the way back to the keeper. I assume that's what he was yeah. doing. I, maybe he thought um, 
Hugh Roberts was behind him or something, you know, and wasn't trying to go back to the goalkeeper. I have no idea what he was thinking. Yeah, I don't um, know. I, I don't mean, know that he was thinking. I think he, his body may have just taken over and reacted um, in panic. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just, <laughs> oh, man. As soon as that happened, I was just like, we're going to lose. I just knew. I knew. I knew. Yeah, at that uh, point. Like, once that happened, I was like, even if this goes to penalties, there, I, there's just no way. This is yeah. this is me- this is fate, um, yeah. intervening. Um, yeah. But whatever. I, I mean, where do you think this ranks in terms of like lowest points? I mean, obviously we've had the Open Cup has been very unkind to us since the first season, where we, you know, went to the fifth round, I think it was, and and beat you know beat beat the Rail Hawks, beat the New England Revolution. And I think lost out to the Chicago Fire maybe in the fifth round. Yeah, even that game we were somewhat competitive. I'm pretty sure we scored first in that game. I think you're right. Um, I think so. But, but yeah, like since like then, I, the 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 Open Cup's been very unkind. We had the yeah. six six to one or or no five to zero after the June Marquez Davidson red card. No, it was five one because we were one one and going into extra time. Was it five one? Okay. Yeah, because that game was terrible. Because well, that, that red card I, happened. That was pretty bad. That red card happened really early. Yeah, and, and the, then we went into extra time, and, and they put the non-golden goal rule, which you, yeah, you should just institute that thing because the fact that they. But I don't want to go down that route. That no, golden goal is stupid. Well, I don't know. Well, this isn't <laughs> hockey. Discussion for another day. But I, uh, I don't know. This is. I think this has to be the lowest point because, like. And is it lower than like losing to our rivals five one away? Six one. It was six or six was two. It? it was six two, not five one. Oh, well. Wow. Wait, I don't know which one you're talking about. We've lost to... both of those. <laughs> We've lost to both of those score lines. It's been six to two and five to one up there. Um, one of them was in the Open Cup. One was in the league. Oh, I'm talking about last year. Okay, yeah, was... that was six to two. Was it really? Oh, yeah, it was really bad. Um... <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, like, I think this has to be the lowest, unfortunately. And the only – I don't even know what to call this because it's not a silver lining. It's not a positive perspective. But, like, maybe this is a good thing in the sense that, like <laughs> – I, I mean, in, in a good – in a way from a fan's perspective, it can't get worse than this. It legitimately can't. Uh, let's season, not. I add, don't it, think it can, dude. You're I tempting. Mean, you're tempting fate, and um, but, it absolutely I, I can mean, get maybe. worse. It is early in the season. It's so May. It's Today is May 16th. It can absolutely get worse. Um, I don't know. And I, I think <laughs> the most frustrating thing, to be honest with you, is when they saved that last penalty. I wasn't even like mad. I was just like. Well, it happened. Yep, same. Like, no, I wasn't mad at that point. It was just like... And that may have been like a mistake by me to not fully grasp, oh, okay, they saved the fifth penalty. This is over now. Because, And I'll, I'll say this. I don't want to rant too much about the refs because they were terrible. But the referee was like waving off the Florida soccer soldiers from celebrating. I swear to you. I don't know if you saw this on the cast, but like no, the they... Florida soccer soldiers ran after their goalkeeper... And I, I may have been misinterpreting his actions, but I swear to you, it, my interpretation of it was he was telling them to not do, to not celebrate like that. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, I guess we're good. And then I realized we weren't good. And I will rant about the refs for a moment here um, because he was terrible on both sides. Um, I mean, like every slight bit of contact with was a yellow card. See, it wasn't a physical game. Like it just wasn't. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back there because I had the benefit of watching. I watched it on TV, so I had the benefit of instant replay, and okay. it was a very physical game. Um, in fact, I think Maria's challenge in the second half, he was lucky to not get a red card. Um, when he got a yellow card, he went in with both feet, studs up. Um, they weren't. It wasn't off the ground, which is probably what saved him. Uh, but he, yeah. he had was that closer to Arbok. No, it was it was um, actually like right along the sideline on the midfield line, like where the benches are. So like right in front of the fourth official. Um, okay, I must have missed that one. It was he missed the ball, and and came in with both feet and took out the guy, the Florida Soccer Soldiers player, um, and was honestly probably lucky not to see a straight red. Um, mm. You know, Hugh Roberts picked up that early yellow card which, which was definitely a yellow card um yeah. i thought i thought all the yellow cards pr- were deserved on both sides oh, yeah. um you know florida so- soccer soldiers like you said earlier they were not um afraid to just kick us to keep keep us from getting past them and uh, that went both ways we were not afraid to kick them just to you know keep them from getting past us either uh, because i think i think everybody but mond no i think mond did get a yellow card uh that was the only one which and that may just be one where it's a it's a weird rule because you know he clearly won the ball but then with his with his follow-through he he kicked the guy with his studs raised you know that one didn't make any sense to me because he won the ball yeah that's one where it's just kind of up to interpretation i think um i don't know because it's just like on jake i don't know how it looked the tackle on Jake in extra time, I'm not sure how that looked on the stream, but, like, it was a two-footed tackle, and I don't know how that's not – I mean, I guess it's a yellow based on all the other contact, but that – I don't like, remember the one on Jake. I, I just remember there being a lot of yellow cards and all of them being yeah. worthy of yellow cards. Um, there was the handball shout, which that's another one where I think it's just up to interpretation. <sighs> I feel like it would have been a harsh handball – um because the guy it was totally unintentional um i mean i I don't know i I, maybe i need to see it again but like i can't i can't understand how a ball is rolling over the line to the line even if it's not going to roll over the line but the player stops the progression of a ball anywhere on the pitch with his hand on the ground that's not a natural position it's not at his side uh, like, well, it was, I think it was mainly because he slipped. Uh, if he hadn't have slipped, he wouldn't have handled the ball. He, and, but, but you, I, I don't know. I mean, devil's advocate, like, I can't remember how he slipped. How did he slip? Do you remember how he slipped? Cause I don't remember how he slipped, but like he devil's was advocate. If he slips and unintentionally loses his footing, stops the ball with his hand going over the net. Like that's really coincidental. I'm tinfoil, tinfoil having this, of course, but like. Uh. Well, I mean, if he hadn't have slipped, his feet would have stopped the ball. Is basically, he was running in, um, and it's not like the ball was 
rolling fast. It was a slow, it was like deflected or yeah. something beforehand. Um, and he came in, he Ugh. was running from like the corner flag area or like that direction towards the goal and his feet, yeah. he tried to stop and plant his feet and his feet went out from under him. And it was like a re, you know, he was trying to catch him. You know how you just naturally yeah. try to catch yourself when you fall like that. And the ball rolled into his arm. And so yeah. I understand where some referees would absolutely give that and give that as a penalty. Um, but then I totally understand why it wasn't given as well, because it was completely unintentional. It was bang, bang. It wasn't like he had a chance to move his arm out of the way. Um, it just, it happened so quickly. So, you know, I can see why people would be upset, but yeah. you know, to me, if we had, if we, if he'd have given a penalty there and we score the penalty kick, that's not going to make me feel much better about the game. Obviously we would have won. It would have saved us yeah. the embarrassment of losing and having a bad result, but it still would have, it would have just papered over the cracks of another poor performance in my mind. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the only other referee rant I will have, and this is the last one I swear, <laughs> but when um, Enzo went off for the energy, and I think this was an extra time or later in the – Oh, yeah. Later – That I okay. think he forgot he was over there or something because that, oh, that was bad. He completely forgot. And it was a solid – It was like a minute. minute. A half, it was like a full minute. Minutes. Yeah. It was I, – I couldn't believe myself that it was happening because he – I think he literally either forgot he was there or for some reason in his mind decided that the only way he was going to let Enzo on the pitch – was when the ball went past halfway, which I don't know the interpretation of the rule, but I've never seen a player stay off the pitch that long. On top of it, because when the Florida soccer soldier player got sent for the red card, he literally let him walk off the pitch the long way. Yeah. On the pitch. That he was did. the other thing that infuriated me too. Like, if this referee just gave out yellow cards left and right, didn't call that, that handball, but had control of the game... I would be okay, whatever. He literally didn't know what he was doing. Like he should. I'm I'm ranting now, and I probably need to calm down. But like, he just didn't have a grasp of how to control the game. And I think that's what bothers me the most about the referee performance. Which still, regardless, we shouldn't have won this game either way. I'll say that before anyone says anything to me. But like, he didn't control the game. I don't think. And that's all I asked from a referee. Control the game. Be consistent. I mean, ugh, I don't know. I'm going to step off my soapbox because it's angry up there. Gotcha. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've seen plenty. I know that there was a lot of this was the worst, you know, referee performance ever. I, I don't. I disagree. I've, there were plenty. There's been plenty of mm. worse ones, um, in my mind, <clears throat> than that one. Uh, but that. But then again, you know, I wasn't there, so obviously, the, you know, my emotions a little bit taken out of it because, you know, I saw every replay. Um, one thing I will say is the Open Cup, the new um, broadcast and all that from ESPN Plus is um, really really good and miles better oh, yeah. than what you know when u.s soccer used to put it on um just on like their website 
Yeah. That's yeah. That, that is the production. The I production value was really high. Um, yeah, that, that's one positive because I mean, last year, even if it was at our place, it probably would have been abysmal at best. If the stream was even working, I mean, I don't even know that the stream last worked year. last year because of the we-, we had bad weather, so um, uh, I don't think they were even able to. I don't remember the camera being up last year. So if it, if they mm. did stream, it would have been from the low camera, which. Low, the low camera at the sportsplex is awful because it's like way off centered and yeah. really low, and so the camera just pans the whole time, and it's, it makes you sick. Yeah. Anyways, we're getting into you know really fine details here. Um, yeah. I have a couple of questions to knock out really quick before we get to our interview. Um, first question is from Charles, and he said that he wants to know how big of an impact playing on the baseball field will have on this year's independence team that's interesting i mean i guess this is the first baseball pitch we played which is really remarkable that it's taken this long to be honest with you well we've had um, a, a bunch of home games oh yeah that, yeah that's true um ugh. it's hard to this may just be coming from a negative perspective but like it's gonna be interesting because we lose possession unnecessarily uh an unnecessarily amount of a lot of time oh my goodness i can't talk um we lose we lose possession a lot and yeah i don't i think that's gonna really just compound things on a small pitch i don't know um what do you think um i think it may help us a little bit with our defensive Mm. midfield issues because there will be less just literally less field to cover. Um, it's it's yeah. a little bit. Um, I think the Nashville field is pretty long, but it's um, it's narrow as all baseball yeah. fields are. So that might help us be a little bit more compact defensively. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. Um, obviously, we'll have to adjust you know, with our passing in the final third, especially when we play on the side that has the bait, you know, the diamond that comes in, um, yeah. that's always something tricky. You have to navigate as your first time playing on a baseball field, which there might be a handful of players who have not played, you know, soccer on a baseball field. Um, if they are oh. new, new to the States, um, I'm not sure. Do we have a lot of, I mean, Damo Duro probably played at Yankee stadium. So he's probably, played um on baseball field i'm trying to think who else is new this year that Uh, maybe hasn't played kivituka's probably never played on a baseball field but he may not factor in much yeah um marie i doubt has played on one yeah that's true good point Um, gootman i doubt i don't know i don't know gootman gootman grew up in the states though so he's probably played on all kinds of terrible pitch conditions yeah that's that's fair Um, and dom has definitely played on one Hugh Roberts definitely has. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, yeah. Hope I mean, it, you know, I don't know that it's gonna ever. I don't know that it's really gonna hurt us because it's not like we're, um, we're not the type of team that needs to be spread out offensively to be mm. effective. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see. Uh, next question is from Gary, mm. and. 
it's kind of a long question, so I'll just I'll just read all of it. It's basically a thread. Um, and he says, to what degree would you ascribe our problems this year to a lack of squad stability over the last two years? Our best season was 2017, built on a reasonable for USL stable of core players from 2015 and 16, and the most retention from 16 to 17 that we've seen. Of that 2017 squad, we only have three players that played here last year. Joel, Alex, and Jorge, plus Enzo returning after his Colorado sabbatical. Meanwhile, Estrada, Yearwood, Hilton, and Mizell are all at high-performing teams. Um, Colin Ross is, too, from that season. Yeah, I don't know if OKC is doing well this year, though. But they're doing better than us. Um, (laughs) A lot of the incoming players from 2018 didn't look like long-term investments in the squad, including some closing out the careers. I feel that the lack of stability in the squad has not provided a strong basis for the coaching and tactical changes. Um, okay, so now that we've read all that, the, the question is to what degree is all those problems that we Gary talked about um, with the lack of squad stability over the last two years, how, how much is that is affecting us this season? Um, I, think, I think there's definitely something to that. Um, you know, we retained... I think 15 players that season going into 2017. Um, it was it was something like stupid high. It was like half the yeah. squad uh, at least had was on the team before, so that that definitely helped. But then last season, you know, we had a lot of rentals, so to speak. But I think that's just the way that the league is kind of trending, um, because of the the collapse. Well, because of the collapse of the NESL, the player pool exploded overnight essentially from 2017 into 2018 uh so i don't know i i would kind of push back on that because it, I, I let me double check the standings here i mean there's well it's kind of a mixed bag i'll say that because i mean there's a decent number i mean red bulls they're pretty much bringing a decent amount of people back from their last quad yeah but red bulls red bulls is a totally different situation because they have a base both below them in their academy and above them with the Red Bulls uh, yeah. MLS squad. So, like, you almost can't really talk about them in this same conversation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. There, I mean, there's something that could be said about the bottom 18 to 14 in the standings, all being either new squads or new rosters essentially being Hartford, Swole Park, us, Memphis, Loudoun being those numbers. I mean, I don't know. I think my answer to that would be yes. I think that's absolutely a contributing factor because I would have to make, I would have to think that there's, it makes it a lot easier just to transition into the season. If you have that much rapport with people, and on top of it, I mean, the thing we've we've obviously talked about it in nauseum of is the chemistry and, and having people in early. I, I think that would have helped things, of course, if we would have had our roster together a little bit quicker, um, even if we were bringing in a lot of different players. Um, I think that's another major factor, too. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very astute observation by the uh, – Gary of the dulcet tones. Yeah, I, I think 
some teams are able to bring back a lot of players, but Tampa didn't bring back a ton of players, um, and they're up at the top. Yeah. Um, I I th- I just think you're not. This is not the type of league where you're going to be able to bring over more than ten or twelve guys from season to season, uh, because a lot of guys are on one year contracts. Yeah. A lot of guys. I mean, I mean, part of it is that you know there's no players union like there is in MLS. Like with MLS, there are certain contract minimums that have to be met by the clubs. So they have to, you know, they have to give most of the contracts ha- or, you know, are at least, you know, one year with like a club option for a second year or two years with a club option for a third year or something like that. Um, there's not really, that's not in place in the USL. Um, they're working on that. You know they're working on the first collecting collective bargaining agreement with the players union over the you know this this season and into the off season. So maybe by next year there will be some kind of standard contract um, like that. Yeah. So maybe that will help. But I think part of it was, you know, we. I feel like we that squad, that 2017 squad took us about as far as we could go. Um. With that particular squad, I think. Some of them, I mean, obviously the big loss I think out of that was Drew Marcus Davidson. We've mm-hmm. never we've never replaced him. Um, we yeah. we still don't have a player that can be an outlet um, and a connector from front to back. Um, he was always available for a pass. He knew where everybody was on the field at all times. He was, you know, constantly directing everything. And we 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 haven't had that since. We don't have that this year. Um, I think this year we're even worse in the midfield than we were last year. Um, yeah. And that's where we're, I I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're losing so many games, um, is because that area of the pitch is we're getting run over almost every game. Um, so I think it's, I think that's definitely a factor, but I think other teams are facing that same issue and have found ways to cope with it. So I think we just have to, uh, I think we have to find other ways to cope with it because I don't know that we're ever, I don't know that the league is just going to be a a place where you're going to be able to retain a large number of your, a large number of your players from year to year. I mean, even a team like Charleston, who we think of as kind of the model of consistency in the league in terms of, you know, always in the top 10 or top you know, anywhere between the top four and top 10, uh, Charleston's yeah. lurking. Um, but even they have a lot of turnover from season to season. Um, and they figure out a way to make it work. So, you know, I, I definitely, I, I can definitely see where that's a problem, but, um, I don't want to, I don't know. I, I feel like there's, um, ways around it as well. Yeah. So. All right. That's fair. Um, all right. That does it for all the questions, I believe, prior to our interview. The rest of the questions I'll save for our interview. Um, all right, cool. Well, we're going to roll that interview now, and uh, there won't be an outro. We'll just say goodbye. When we say goodbye at the end of the interview, that will be the episode. So thank you for listening, um, and hopefully the uh, the result Saturday will be a little bit better. So enjoy the interview. All right. Well, welcome. We've got uh, 
Jonathan Slate from Speedway Soccer. He is a writer slash podcaster extraordinaire for Speedway Soccer and uh, specifically about Nashville SC, of course. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. How about you guys? Doing okay, I guess. Yeah, we got our rants soccer, out, so. soccer aside, we're doing great. <laughs> I would say you guys had a, you had a, guys had a bit of a rough Tuesday. Yeah, the rough Tuesday, rough Saturday, Saturday wasn't great. Rough Wednesday, um, rough... You just had a rough, <laughs> rough season. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been it's been a tough like first two months, but uh, the standings are um, overrated. Open cups overrated. Everything's overrated at this point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the first question I was wondering is, what is it like to win? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um... We're not going to ask that question. Um, you don't have to answer that. I'm sorry. I had to do that. Um, but, yeah, so how how would you describe the, the season for Nashville SC so far? Just like in a quick sentence, how would you describe the first sen- the, the first part of the season for y'all? In a sentence, I would say it's been pretty good, but there has been some, you know, disappointments and some struggles along the way. Hmm. So what do you think has been – and I've kept track a little bit with, with Nashville SC, but what do you think has uh, – been the main issue for Nashville SC of here, or point of uh, a place that the independents could uh, exploit for the for Nashville SC. It's definitely going to be goals on set pieces. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at where Nashville has struggled this year, uh, so we started off the season with a two zero win against Loudon at home, and then we had St. Louis come to town and gave up a, a late set piece goal uh, from a foul outside of the box. Uh, we had a decent, decent go at it, uh, but then, you know, just last week we had a, you know, disappointing goal that we gave up on a set piece against uh, Tampa Bay. So I mean, those have been two key losses and key points dropped, especially the St. Louis one with it coming late. Um, mm. Our other kind of disappointments have been just, you know, Charleston wasn't pretty we lost 3-1 there but that was just you know there was a few individual mistakes but I would say if there was any place that the that Charlotte could exploit it would be you know set piece defense on set pieces Hmm. and then uh what would you say is the the positive for Nashville SC this year I mean Daniel Rios has without a doubt been the positive (laughs) I was Um, afraid you'd say his name (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which I'm sure you guys, I know you guys are quite familiar with. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, that was, you know, if we looked at what happened last year was, you know, we created middle-of-the-road chances as far as, you know, number of chances created, uh, but we weren't converting them. National ranked, I think, second to last or third to last in, in chance conversion rate. Uh, mm. And so we, we weren't converting chances. And, you know, having Rios, who has, you know, been there from the get-go and has been converting chances, he's got seven goals so far around the year um, has been great. Uh, Lancaster has had some injury issues, so he hasn't really hit the ground running, but the highlight has definitely been uh, Lancaster and to a less, I mean, I mean, Rios and to a lesser extent, uh, Carlton Belmar. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, last question for me here is um, how have those new pieces mixed in there? Cause I know Belmar, I believe I listened to the most recent Speedway Soccer uh, podcast when they played uh, Swope Park, and it sounded like he uh, just recently has kind of found his footing. Um, but Belmar, Rios, um, I'm forgetting a couple other names. But but how have those uh, new pieces fit with the club? 
So we started off the season, uh, Gary Smith was playing a 4-3-3, and mm-hmm. he was trying to force, and this was when Lancaster started off the season healthy, he was yeah. trying to force everybody in, so he was, uh, Lancaster got pushed out wide to the right, just which doesn't fit his his skill set. Um, mm. We've probably seen the most success um, in a four, in a three five two slash four four two, and we've put Belmar out on the wing, uh, and mm. Belmar, you know, up until the Swope game, he hadn't contributed an assist or a goal, but he'd had a lot of you know beating defenders out wide, getting a man, getting a ball in, um, that, but no one was just connecting. So I feel like Belmar and then Rios with his seven goals have, have started to fit in well. Um, it's just with Lancaster not finally coming off of an injury, we've seen him. He got a goal against Swope. He started this past weekend or this past week. He gets tormented too and got himself a goal. So I think he's starting to find his footing. And I think we'll start to see him and Rios up top more in a 4 4 2 with Belmar out wide. And then one of, one of either Rapapa Mensa or Alan Wynn, who Wynn, who's I was out most of the beginning of the season with concussion, um, mm. and a couple other injuries that kind of kept him out. So one of the issues we were just having was you know not having that second winger to put out there. Cool. I mean, I this is Alex, by the way. I had a couple of questions, um, kind of about Gary Smith's tactics this season. I know last season there was a big emphasis. Um, you know, I don't. I got. I assume it was on purpose on dif, on defending. Uh, Nashville is one of the best defenses in the USL, and it's not that you guys have been bad defensively this season, but it does seem to be, uh, I guess, less of an emphasis. Um, you're, you know, Nashville scoring more. So I was just kind of curious if he's kind of changed his um, approach at all, or if it's just uh, the players that you guys have on the roster fit what he wants to do a little bit better this year. Yeah, I would say he has changed his approach a little bit more. If you um, guys keep an eye out on the weekend you'll see that the f- the fullbacks are pushed a bit higher up the field um, if we're playing the 4-4-2 there's a lot of times where it's basically only two the two center backs that are back there um, so mm. he's had you know on the left side it's either Taylor Washington or Justin Davis and on the right side it's been a rotation of uh, Kosuke Kimura or uh, Darnell King but both of the both of those fullbacks are going to push high up the field um, they're going to, you know, press really well, try to win the ball back. Uh, I will say probably another thing that's hurt us defensively is there has been times where uh, Baluak and Yode hasn't started every single game. Um, here's been a couple games where we've seen just Lagrasa and Reed in the center of the in the center of the park, and I think that hurts us defensively. Not having that that six there that can, you know, break up play and intercept balls. So I think that is that has been a detriment. And also we have been, you know, putting, we've had some defensive rotation. We've been rotating two goalkeepers in and out. So I think that also is been a country. There hasn't been necessarily a set back five. Gotcha. That's interesting because I think um, I, I personally was a little bit worried about, Nashville kind of this season and with the transition to MLS if he didn't kind of change his approach a little bit because I felt like last year you guys had more attacking talent um, and you just couldn't figure out how what to do with them and so it was kind of encouraging to see you guys starting to put some goals in, on the board this year um, I have a quick listener question um, I'm going to rephrase it a little bit because you've already kind of talked about Rios and Lancaster's start to the season um, but the question is essentially you know 
everybody was put on alert when you guys picked up Rios and Lancaster in the same offseason, you know, two the basically the two top goal scorers from last season now on the same team. Um do you think that the two are going to play well together once Lancaster does come back from injury? I think they will. I think that Lancaster is a guy that likes to drop a little bit deeper um, and pick up pick up the ball, and he does have he does have a bit of a pass on him. Um, whereas, you know, Rios is a bit more of a target forward. Uh, he does make some really good runs and really smart runs, but he he's able to bring people into play. He's I mean he's a big guy, uh, really good on his feet, really good in the air, um, and then having the guys around him to be able to play guys around. From what we saw in the preseason, and that's the most that we saw them together, which was very little. I think they're going to work really well together. Um, but at the end of the day, if that's if it's a situation where we have to play with one of those guys coming off the bench, um, you know, last year we had guys like just Tucker Hume, who had a great preseason, who's had a decent start to the season coming off the bench. But having a guy like either Lancaster or Rios um, coming off the bench in you know the 60th minute is is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, champagne problem, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, that definitely is. Um, but I'm really interested to see, we've seen them start to, or toward the end of last season, using Rapapa Mensa more out wide as a winger, either in a 4-2-4 or a 4-3-3. And I think he plays really well out there. Um, he can really, he can come off the bench. He's one of those players that, you know, is able to quickly find his place in the game and get on the field. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of tactical flexibility with these guys. Gotcha. Um, who is maybe like an X factor for Nashville who uh, we haven't really talked about that could kind of play a, um, a big part in the, the match on Saturday? I, I feel like one of the unsung heroes and who's probably our player of last month is, is Matt LaGrasse. Uh, last season we saw him used a lot out on the wing, um, but he's really a box-to-box midfielder that can, you know, occasionally play as a 10. Um, but this year he has, he's added a few more goals to his game. He's He's been used in the center, um, and he's just one of those guys that can win the ball back really quickly and higher up the field and then turn play. So he's someone that, you know, definitely is kind of under the radar. Um, and then I am interested to see if we see Derek Jones uh, play, which you guys may be familiar with from his time at Bethlehem mm. Steel. Uh, he yeah. did he did start he did start on on Tuesday um, and had mm. had an okay game. Um, more just you know he's getting getting back into match fitness. He did he wasn't necessarily starting every game up there. It was used a lot you know off the bench at the Union. So I think seeing the you know chemistry that we could see with both him and Akinyote have been played together previously. It'll be interesting to see if he starts on, on Saturday or, or comes off the bench. Yeah, that will be interesting. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be, you know, once he fits in and gets some chemistry with Nashville, I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, he's one of those tweeners kind of between he's, you know, probably too good for USL, but not quite good enough for MLS. So he's, you know, hopefully going to find his, stride yeah it'll be i mean he's still a young guy so i think yeah that's true i mean he's only 22 so it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah but i I definitely get what you're saying we're like too good for usl but 
not necessarily good enough for uh, like top level MLS where he's getting a lot of minutes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, that's um, that's all the questions I have. So if you have some questions for us, um, we'd be happy to answer. Maybe. <laughs> so I mean, I we 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 all know where you guys sit at the table. What do you think has been your biggest issue this year? I know you guys picked up Dominic Duro in the off season. Um, what do you think? Where have you guys struggled the most? Uh, um, Where do we start? Listen to the, the first part of the podcast. <laughs> now, um, uh, I would definitely say if there's one main issue, it's been our midfield has been pretty consistently dreadful. I mean, we've, I'll say too that we've missed opportunities we should have put in the net and we've given opportunities that were a little too easy to put in the net as well. But uh, what would you say, Alex? Yeah, I was basically going to say similar. Like we have, we have issues at all three levels of the field. Um, But I think if, if we had to pick one that we could fix and it would, you know, probably drastically improve our results, it would be the middle of the field. Um, I think a little bit of it is tactics with the new coach. Um, and a little bit of it is personnel. We have our defensive midfielder has been out. Um, Kevon George, he, I, don't, I think the last game he played was maybe in Charleston, which was several weeks ago. Um, actually, maybe more than a month ago now, because I think that was early, yeah. early April. Um, so he's been out. And then another midfielder that's played a lot of minutes, Mark Hill, has been injured as well. Um, those two guys, I think, are the best midfield pair we have, and they have both been out at the same time. So we're, we're playing two guys who um, I don't think particularly fit well together, and um, I don't think our tactical approach is very um, committed to like winning the midfield battle. So that, that, that was, that's our biggest issue, but we have issues at the back and at the front as well. So, <laughs> um, so I think a lot of our listeners are going to have this question. How's Andrew Gutman doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, so uh, I guess he was loaned to y'all and then loaned to us. Is that how that worked out? I think that's how that worked. Well, out. sort of. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's just yeah. It's it's basically the fire being, you know, Nelson Rodriguez wanted his way. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think he's been. He's been quality for us. I mean, he's scored two goals. Um, I want to say he's maybe had an assist or two as well. Um, he's been exceptional on the offensive side of things, I think. He's definitely shown to be a young player at times. Um, and he's left a little bit of desire on the defensive side of things, I would say. Um, but, yeah, I think he's been he, he's been one of the more brighter spots of the season, I, I think is a way of describing him, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think he um, he has one of probably the highest potential of anybody on the team. You know, mm. being you know twenty one, twenty two, whatever he is, um, just out of school, you can tell he's a little bit naive uh, to the professional game a little bit at times. Uh, he's cleaned that up a little bit here lately, uh, but early in the season he was um, a little slow to react and you know put himself in some poor situations um, due to that. But you know the way we play he is very crucial to our attack. Um, if he's not getting forward and combining well with whoever is playing on the left wing, uh, well, lately we've been playing more of a 
3-4-3, so there's not really a left wing, but, it, mm-hmm. you know, the left forward, whatever. If he's not getting up, getting forward and um, combining and taking shots and trying to put in crosses and cutbacks, uh, we're probably going to struggle to score. So he's he's a very important player for us. Um, and it, it's weird because, you know, he's a, le- he's a left back or a left wing back, but he um, he's so attack-minded and he's so skilled in the final third that you almost forget that he's um, a defender at times because he's not, he doesn't spend a ton of time on the, in the defensive half, especially when we have the ball. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, looking forward to the game on Saturday, what do you think, what do you guys need to do well uh, in order to get a result at Nashville? Um, I think the, to, to me, the biggest thing is to just not get dominated in the midfield. Um, if we can, you know, when we went down to Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago, we actually played pretty well. Um, it was a little bit disjointed at times, but we had pretty, or we kept pretty organized, uh, at the back. And I think it was because our, our midfield played, played a good game. So, you know, I, I think if we can just not get totally dominated in the middle of the field and, and not have sloppy turnovers, uh, because we're not good in transition because of, you know, players like Gutman and on the other side, Joel Johnson, there's, they play so high up the field that, you know, we, our center backs get put on islands and they're not great in those situations. Um, so if we can avoid those situations as much as possible, I think we'll get, you know, have a much better chance of getting at least a point. Gotcha. Uh, and then what do you think that Nash or what do you think that Charlotte needs to, what do you think there's something that Nashville can exploit? against charlotte goose you want to take this one (laughs) you gave me the easy one alex uh something that they can exploit is really uh, i'm trying to pinpoint one thing uh i think continued chances and not letting us get in a rhythm um i i think honestly the biggest issue we've had is teams. I think when we feel comfortable, essentially when clubs give us the ball and we think we're good, we pass it back and forth. We do this, that, and the other, and then our midfielder will lose possession and then he'll cut down the wing on a cross and they cross it in. Um, I, I think crosses as well have been a major, a glaring issue for us. Um, because we haven't been marking very well on them, uh, which really scares me with Rios. Um, I have very, <laughs> very uh, <laughs> distinct memories of him um, playing for a <laughs> team that will not be named. But uh, yeah, I think it's. I think if we're allowed to get in a rhythm, um, if Nashville pressures us, that's going to be the the most difficult thing to deal with. That's what yeah. I'll say. Transition yeah. moments are just not a strength of ours um, for like, you know, like we've already said for tactical reasons and for personnel reasons. Gotcha. All right. That's good. That's good to know. That's good to know. Are you guys making the trip over to Nashville? No. Yeah. Sadly, sadly not. Yeah. I'm, I would love to go up to a game in Nashville. I've never been to Nashville before, but um I've heard good things. I, we had some people uh, go down there last year, uh, and they had a blast. I think it was a, a rainy, cold night, but uh, yeah, I've heard was, good things. Yeah, the, when we played you guys last year, it was middle of April, 
and mm. it ended up being 30 degrees yeah which is, which is completely outside of the you know realm of uh usual temperature for this for the city in that time of, that time of year mm. yeah, um... yeah we'll have to, next time you guys next time uh you guys are able to uh let us know we'll uh we'll take care of you guys yeah i appreciate okay. it we'd love to make Thank the trip you. we're um I guess this is our last season, so maybe it'll have to be a preseason or something. <laughs> or open cup. Open cup, yeah. Well, ah. we'll see. Well. I think we have to win a game in the open cup first. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll play Nashville too. Maybe that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but that's really that's all. That's all I got. Cool. Uh, I have a couple of quick questions from uh, West Bowling. And they're kind of for all of us, I think. Um, it's kind of a – well, some, one of them is Charlotte-specific, but the other one I think is for both both of us. But uh, the first one is um, which player most needs to step up for Charlotte to get a result? Um, and I don't know that it's nece- – I, I don't want to pin- point out a per- particular player just because I have no idea what we're going to do with the lineup considering mm. we played 120 minutes in the middle of the week plus penalties. And, you know, we have – three or four guys who are injured and could be coming back hopefully any day now. Um, mm. So I'll just say whoever is in the, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably line up in a three, four, three. So those two midfielders, um, I think one of them needs to kind of step up and be a little bit dominant in the middle of the field, you know, at least defensively. Um, if we have, if we have Kevon George back there, um, it, it's going to be him, you know, if it's Mikel Maria, you know, somebody who's, who can cut out passes, um, and kind of protect the center backs and, and keep them from having to go into those one-on-one situations where they don't excel. Um, that's, that's my answer to that. Do you have a different answer, Ben? I would say, I, I think one way we can really kind of do a 180 and, move up the table hopefully in some ways is if Enzo Martinez really uh, kind of turns a corner and, and, and finally realizes his role in the, in the find some form is what I'll try to say. Yeah, yeah that's uh, true. I, I think he's, he's a player that's, he, I feel like he's taken some strides, but just hasn't figured out exactly um, how to work in our system and, and hasn't unlocked that potential yet. If that does happen, I think he can really rally the troops and, and get things uh, going for it. So, uh, yeah, Enzo is for me. All right. The other one, um, which you've already kind of done this, but we'll ask it again. It's uh, describe the season so far in one word or phrase. I guess we can all answer this one. I'll let you guys go first because I think Wes is uh, – he's the voice of the he – d- he does the radio broadcast. Yep, that's Wes right. Is looking, Wes is looking for help on his uh, on his prep. Hi, gotcha. <laughs> um, I think for for us it would be um, maybe unknown expectations but still disappointing, <laughs> which is kind of funny to think about. Um, but, it's you know, I think we all – expected it to be a little slow but this is getting ridiculous <laughs> yeah i think that's uh it's definitely a darkest timeline type of scenario um 
community fans will know what that is. Otherwise, it'll just be weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I guess I could just say that. Yeah, darkest timeline. Uh, that, that that'll just say that. I wasn't even meaning it to be that way. But, yeah, that's. I think that's pr- spot on right there. Yeah, this is. Uh, it just feels like a, a weird nightmare. It just. It's not great. Do you feel like Troy walking into the party with all of the pizzas? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I like if I were to walk into the season now and be like, "Wait, this is going on. We just lost to this team, this, that, and the other." Yeah, I would feel like Troy walking into the party. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Man. Well, we really appreciate you joining us, Jonathan. Um, where can our listeners find your work, both written and the podcast? Yeah, you can find our uh, all of our written work together at uh, speedwaysoccer.com. Um, and you can also find the podcast there. And then you can find me on Twitter at jslatessp. Um, you can find, find all of our stuff there. And then the podcast at Soccer Speedway. Um, and then for our listeners, um, which I know everybody on Talking Jacks is going to know where to find you guys, but where can they find uh, both of you? Um, I am Alex underscore five five, um, and I tweet about mainly things other than the independence from that account for the most part. <laughs> but that's if you want if you want my thoughts on the NBA and uh, all kinds of other things, you can follow me for sure. Kemba Walker super fan is is how I would describe his uh, Twitter for the time being. Um, yeah, hopefully longer. Maybe that might but, be coming uh, to an end. Well, I'll I'll always be a Kemba Walker super fan, but. Um, yeah. Not, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter uh, at the soccer goose is where I can be found on the, the Twitterverse. I, uh, I don't really tweet about the NBA, but I do tweet <laughs> Seinfeld gifs and probably tweet way too often when I'm watching matches. So yeah, there's that. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right. Well, Again, hope you have a good night and uh, good luck on Saturday. All right. Thanks. You guys too. Take care. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah.